Looking to create wealth and income through high cash flowing real estate? Self-storage is the fastest growing and the newest real estate asset that has outperformed all others. What's its secret? I'm AJ Osborne, and with over a million square feet that we have built, acquired, expanded, and even converted big box stores from small third-tier markets to large 100-plus thousand square foot facilities, we have seen it all. This is the podcast that we're going to discuss and bring on the best investors and operators in the nation to show you how to create wealth and income with self-storage. Welcome to Self-Storage Income. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Self-Storage Income Podcast. Today, yes, we've got Dan and Ben in the house. These guys are just killing it. They just got their first storage facility literally like a month ago. And we're going to dive in and talk about all that stuff. It's an awesome episode. Love being able to get in at the ground level with these people that are going through what so many of you are looking to get into right now today, uh, where you're looking for a storage facility, you're trying to find one, you've got one under contract, you know, you're, you're trying to purchase one, you're trying to finance one, all of this process, what this looks like from finding, identifying a facility all the way through to purchasing, running, operating, all that stuff. We're going to dive into all that today with Dan and Ben and their first storage facility that they just closed on, you know, what they did, how they got there and what they're doing now. Uh, to move forward and looking forward to the future. Uh, they got started in the uh, with just a car wash, I guess, uh, which is really, really cool. And uh, before we dive into that, before we dive into their their story about how they got into storage, any of that kind of stuff, and, and the podcast here, I want to give a huge shout out to Live Oak Bank and Janice International. Uh, it's, it's actually kind of incredible. Dan and Ben reached out to uh, Live Oak Bank and got in contact with Terry and uh, Terry helped him through the process of, t- of obtaining uh, an SBA loan, from what I understand, over there with Live Oak Bank. And uh, th- what Terry did is, is is came in and actually even helped in portions of the, the valuation of the facility. Obviously, the, the value of the facility is huge to banks. Uh, Terry was instrumental in that. Uh, you guys will hear that in the podcast, but it's great because Dan and Ben listened to the Cell Storage Income podcast here heard of Live Oak Bank, reached out to Live Oak, got in contact with Terry, and uh, here these guys are with their storage facility now, which is so cool because a lot of times, uh, and this is a perfect example of why we have Live Oak Bank as our sponsor or one of the sponsors here on the podcast, is, uh, you know, this isn't just some random sponsorship that, you know, we're getting paid this or that or whatever. It's like, we chose Live Oak Bank specifically because of this, because of the, the incredible work that they actually do every single day for real people like us, like you guys, our listeners and, and fellow investors in self-storage Um fans, whatever you want, you, you want to call yourselves <laughs> nerds, I guess, right? That's what we are. Uh, self-storage nerds. Uh, but anyways, with that said, it's just so cool to see that come full circle where Dan and Ben are listening to the podcast. They reach out to Live Oak, Terry hooks them up, they get an SBA loan, they close on their facility. Perfect example of having all the right people in your corner and Live Oak Bank absolutely achieves that. Great people over there. Get at the link in the show notes, go over there, talk to Live Oak and get yourself set up. 
get all the info that you need. And again, they've got some amazing uh, SBA loan incentives going on right now. It's it's June 2021. A lot of really incredible incentives going on until September 2021 here coming up. So get on it if it's something that you're thinking about. Uh, with that said, let's jump over to Janice International, our sponsor as well here on the podcast. They do incredible work. Can't say enough great things about them. We have coordinated with them on numerous projects, whether that's an acquisition or development. And they're so knowledgeable, so helpful in so many different areas, whether that's technology, whether that's metal fabrication, whether that's, you know, looking at a storage market. It's so amazing to actually connect with these individuals that have been in the industry for decades who can you can talk to and say, hey, yeah, we're looking at this market. We're doing this. We're doing that. And they're like, oh, yeah, you, did you talk to so-and-so? And we're like, yeah, we're working with that guy, whatever. Like, it's amazing how uh, close-knit the community is and everything else. And they are so tied in and connected. Uh, and they do such great work and provide such great solutions, whether it's no-key or their R3 program to, to rehab old facilities. Uh, they've got a lot of really, really great technology and solutions over there. Go check them out. Link is in the show notes. And you guys enjoy this awesome episode. Welcome everybody to Self-Storage Income. I am so excited about today's podcast because the last podcast we we had somebody on that had had just mass amounts of facilities, like 100 facilities and everything. And those are super interesting, but I feel for a lot of viewers that's super they, they, they just feel like that's unattainable. It's so far out, right? For sure, yeah. So many people that listen into self-storage income, a lot of you guys out there are just starting out. And so when you're listening to somebody that has, you know, 3 million square feet of storage yeah. and, you know, whatever that might look like, uh, that's a huge undertaking. And uh, that's awesome. But uh, sometimes it's nice to have people that are on the podcast, like our guests today, Dan and Ben, who uh, have just secured their first facility, which is incredible. It's awesome. Starting out the uh, self-storage journey, and it's cool to be able to share these things with people as they're going through them. And um, it's just it's just awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. 136 units, 17,000 square foot facility, uh, just closed. Like I mean, it's just mid-June. I mean, they've had it for almost a month. They got yeah. it back in May, so uh, excited to jump into this and see, you know, how they found it, you know, learning curves that they're going through, and I really dive into this whole thing. In real so. time. So with that, we're not going to waste any more time. Um, we'll bring you guys on. How's it going? Good. How are you doing? Good. doing Thanks good. for having us. Hey, thank you guys for coming on. We're just absolutely stoked about your guys' new facility and uh, excited to hear about the, the tackling one down, right? So many people, I feel think or not even think it's just that's the biggest hurdle it's that first one right because you're not yep, sure yeah. and you're not sure what's going on so why don't why don't you give us first of all a little background like who who are you guys where you come from let our listeners know a little bit about you so i'm dan Schermeyer. Uh, we grew up in vermont we're brothers um grew up in vermont until i went to college went to school in rochester new york then i moved around for a while i worked for uh, pratt and whitney an aerospace company and then I uh, moved down to North Carolina to work for Joe Gibbs Racing as a manufacturing engineer. Got into real estate, got some rentals. Um, last year, we closed on our first commercial property. We bought a car wash together. And then from there, we actually started hearing about you. And that's how we started getting the storage. And here we there are. There you go. Fantastic. <laughs> that's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, and uh, I'm Ben. Um I was actually a professional dirt bike mechanic for the last about 15 years and there you go. been traveling all over the world doing that kind of stuff. And then my brother moved down here and he got some rentals and kind of got me in the real estate bug. And uh, like he said, we bought that car wash and I just happened to be driving by it, going to work for about six months. And we kind of 
hemmed and hawed about it and we finally pulled the trigger and made it happen. And then the same broker that we bought that from was selling the storage facility. And um, he's like, are you guys interested? And we're like, oh, you know, it's too soon. I don't think we can do it. And then a couple months went by and we're like, you know, screw it. We got to make this happen. And then we, here we are. <laughs> yeah, that's sweet. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I love it. Got bit by the real estate bug and the cash flow bug. So, you, you know, when you guys were looking at a lot of people, self-storage feels a little out of the loop, right? Like it's like, okay, well, I get housing. I get the stuff, right? Um, but when it was about self-storage in this property, what made you guys like, what was it that was like, yeah, this is something we need to do or get done. Were you already looking for storage facilities? Was it an opportunity that came up and then you're like, Hey, we need to learn about this. How did that, uh, come about? I think once we got the car wash, we got through the commercial loan process, which that was like a it was scary from the outside. And once you went through it, it was like, really wasn't that bad. A little more paperwork took a little bit longer. But we got through it and then uh, we owned that for a little while, got used to it, got our feet wet. And it kind of involves some daily tasks that you have to go do. And obviously it's an investment. So we're like, what well, could be a little more passive? Still have to own the business and run it, but we don't have to be there every day. Nothing's a 911. You can kind of work on things remotely. Came across storage. Um, we asked the broker for the financials, looked at it. And then just looked at some other facilities in the area, realized it was way under market value. Um, the seller or the previous owner was uh, 75, did everything on pen and paper, had a flip phone still, didn't use technology. And we were like, man, so much room for improvement, <laughs> perfect operationally <laughs> and raising the rents and there's room to expand. So we're like, we got to go after this, try it. And it was it took seven months from when we started the conversation to closing, but totally wow. worth it. That's that. Okay. So I got a lot of questions on that. So first of all, that's, that's amazing. I, I, I love the value, uh, identifiers there that you're looking for and I, seven months. So what, what took seven months about it? Was the buyer, was it the whole process? Hey, wait, actually I'm getting way ahead. All of the above. Yeah. yeah. All of the above. Okay. So I, I first need to ask this before. So I want to make sure this moves and flows correctly here. Um, when you guys were looking with this broker, was this on market? Was there lots of bids? Was there a lot of interest? Were you competing? And then we can move into why it took so long. So the broker had it listed, but I don't think he had it like it wasn't on LoopNet or anything. So I don't think it had been made public yet. Um, and I think he was just finally getting the listing done uh, when we started to ask about it again. Because when we ex when we expressed interest, he kept telling us that there was other people interested. But I don't think anybody put an offer in because uh, the seller was asking way too much for what it was, uh, what the financials showed. Did he um, did he adjust that down then and come back? Did the broker get him down or how'd that work? So uh, when we first looked at it, we realized it was priced a little bit high. Um, we weren't sure if we were going to be able to get financing or not because we just closed on our first commercial deal. That's actually where I heard Terry on your podcast. Yeah. And the next day I wrote him a brief business plan and was like, hey, we're looking at this. Is it even possible that we could get financing? Had a phone call later that day and he was like, yeah, we could do another SBA loan, 10% down. And we're like, wow, this is possible. Yeah, so, that's awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> From cool. there, yeah, the uh, the property was listed at just, I think it was $1.39 million, um, which was too high. And so we ended up going under contract the first time at uh, $1.2925, just under $1.3 Um 
but the seller wouldn't give us all his financials. We had what he had given the broker, which was just kind of basic. Um, so we went into the first contract knowing that we could get out of it, out of it within 30 days, not losing any money. We got the tax returns, all the rent rolls, everything, and realized that the financials weren't as high as they had posted. So we pulled out of the deal. Um, and then from there, we were trying to agree up, agree upon a price. And I was working with uh, with Live Oak. And Terry actually came out and did a site visit before we were under contract again. And he sat down with the seller because Terry's actually from Statesville, where we where we got the unit. Oh, and, nice. uh, that's crazy. He he went through with the seller how it's sto uh, self storage is valued and kind of had a conversation. And uh, after that, he left and he looked at our projections and they let us offer a little bit higher. And that's basically how we ended up at the sale price. And we ended up getting it for one point one six. And so and that's awesome. So the the he came down after realizing. And having and the benefit to that, right? The benefit to having Terry, who's a bank, walk him through that is that it's not coming from you. It's not like yeah. I, I'm walking into this just because I don't want to pay as much, right? Because that's what the seller thinks. Yeah. Of course, you don't want to pay as much, right? <laughs> like so, when the bank <laughs> exactly, like I, I think it's worth a hundred thousand, you know. But uh, yeah. the bank, when the bank walks in, they're like, "Listen, man, you want us to give anybody money on this? You can't sell it for that." Yeah, right? that's huge. Then all of a sudden, yeah, he's like, oh, geez, I'll never be able to sell it yeah. because nobody will get financing, right? I think his lawyer pulled the, the number of what they were asking originally just out of thin air. It was just like, oh, oh yeah, sure. you, it should be worth this, but they had no idea of how to value the property. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, and that, then, this is so common, too. It's it's amazing. Like we We assume that because sellers own the assets, right, that they intrinsically know the value that they actually have a really good idea on that stuff. And that's actually not true, as you just found out. He owned it. It was operating. Yeah. It was making him money. Yeah, he had no clue on how to value it. Yeah. I mean, some people haven't been raised rent in, I don't know, 20 years probably. Yeah. There's still many original ways. We're going through the leases. <laughs> like It's like this guy signed a lease in 2000. <laughs> like, yeah. Hang on, did you just, you just said 2000 was 20 years ago? <laughs> Hold on. Yeah. Hang yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Like what a, what a awesome opportunity and uh, like huge shout out real quick just to Terry and Live Oak for like hooking yeah. you guys up and doing that. Like that's amazing that Terry came out, was a part of that whole process for you guys. And, and like, I mean, we talk about them all the yeah. time. They do great work. So that's phenomenal. Yeah, they were it's really cool. Yeah, they they made it happen because like it being our first self storage facility, they say they don't lend lend on projections because we didn't have experience. But we had a little bit of commercial experience, and then him coming out and them seeing all the work we did with all the uh, all the projections and what we'd put into that, they they were were willing to come up a little bit, and they they were the ones that really yeah helped make it happen. Well, yeah, and this is great. a hurdle so many people have a hard time getting over with because if I go to whoever bank. Right, banks loan based upon risk, and the vast majority of the risk is based upon the person you're giving it to. And when you yeah. look at commercial real estate, the risk isn't the financial risk of the person, it's the ability. So for people mm -hmm. that are starting out, it's a chicken and egg they feel like sometimes, right? They're like, well, hold on, I need experience to get the loan, use the loan to get the experience. And that's why when I'm looking at people to get loans, that's why it's it, not all lenders are created equal, first of all, but the people that understand the asset, they can work with you on your projection. They can look at it and say, what's reality and what's not. So they come in and, and it's actually helping you out, which you really need. Another way that you can go through that and get in, like I tell people, is you go get a third party, 
right? So you go out and get feasibility stuns and, pro and projection stuff that you're presenting to the bank. I didn't come up with these. Here are mine. Here's somebody else's. Because I feel like a lot of people need or can't get through that hurdle. And you guys did a yeah. perfect execution getting getting through that on two sides. First of all, getting the loan, but also getting the seller down to reality, which most people can never do. And I'm even talking about, I can tell you how many sellers that I've talked to. And I'm like, I don't know how to tell you this, but this is like, this is just crazy. Like, where did you come up with that number? You know, and I'm always doing it yeah. tactfully and nice and everything, but it, that can be something that just can't be overcome. Um, it, it's, we had it a seller. That, definitely challenging. Oh yeah. Stuck, I mean, he's 75 stuck in his ways. Right. And he's exactly. like, nah, I'll just keep it. And I'm yeah. like, well, what are you going to keep it for? Yeah. <laughs> Like, and then that, and those are the people that are always the hardest. So the people that are always the hardest to get to the correct value are always the ones that don't want to listen. <laughs> so yeah. It's not yeah, like yeah, the person's exactly. really far off, but yet they're really open to having a conversation. No, they're really far off and they're not open to have a conversation. That's how it yeah, always yeah, yeah. works. Yeah. So, so that's why it took seven months from when we started to yeah. get in there. Cause it took, <laughs> we went under contract again in the beginning of March and we closed in like 70 days. So, but it took, it took five months to get, or four months to get to that final price. Yeah. And most but, people would have just walked away at that point. Like they would yeah. be like, okay, this doesn't make sense. In mm -hmm. fact, too, honestly, yeah. it makes me wonder how many people did, how many people walked away. Um, when, yeah. I don't think anyone put in as much time as we did convert, because we converted everything over, well, mostly Dan, but converted everything from his chicken scratch that's on a clipboard to an Excel sheet to present to a bank and show them the real numbers. Like you can't just send them this copy of a thing. Right. And yep. think that that's good. And I think that a lot of people didn't put in any work really to get it. No, hundred percent. I find that being one of the biggest opportunities for people getting into the industry. Um, even when you look at people like me or whatnot, when you're in these small, uh, the smaller sized asset classes, and when I say smaller sized asset classes, I mean like, you know, really a few million and under the big funds are going to go to, but the people that own 3 million and under lots of times they're not operating at that professional level. Right. And the people that are not operating at the professional level are the ones you want to buy. Cause that's the value add. And yeah, but yeah. then lots of times the sellers look at it and they're like, well, I need you to be operating at least to a point to where I can come up with a good price. But then if they are lots of sellers want to get in on it. Right. So all of a yeah, sudden yeah. you've identified that area, but you were also willing to do the work to come up with your valuation and buy. And that little bit of work, right? And you're talking about an asset you guys may own forever that will cash flow and pay you guys, pay off debt, yeah, right? Yeah. And that little effort will seem like nothing. Like it's just it's yeah. so irrelevant in your guys' long term thing. And think about the yeah. wealth and everything that'll generate. So I just love that because that's how I operated guys like when we yep. we were in meeting yep. with sellers and it was like looking at you know chicken scratch stuff same thing it was out in the middle yep. of nowhere markets um <laughs> that we were doing this right but two with that process you guys went through i mean i'm sure right now you're like let's go find more no yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. like now that we've done it it's not so bad and we kind of have we know what we have to do to go through it and what's a percent to a bank the refiner's yeah. fire, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So now now tell us, okay, you got the price you agreed upon, you closed. Tell, tell me about the closing, and then uh, then I want to go on to after the close and operations and getting set up. So uh, closing went smooth. Everything with the bank was fine. Uh, we had already done a bunch of the pre-approval stuff before we went under contract the second time. Um, so it was really smooth. Uh, while we were in closing, we started setting up a management software 
that were using uh, easy storage solutions. Mm-hmm. So we started getting that set up. We didn't have all the tenants' names and information to put in there, but we had the site map laid out. Um, so that was a big help. So on day one, we closed, we went, we put internet in the office. Yeah, didn't even have internet yeah. in the facility before we got there. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. Yep. Um, so we spent the, the first few days getting everybody put into the management software. Um, and then luckily we actually closed mid of, middle of a month. So we had time to put people into the management software. So the first of June, some people actually had the opportunity to pay online, which they didn't before, uh, which people have seemed to love so far. Yeah. Um, and there's still some quirks where we learned in the first month. Uh, but now with, once we get to the second month, I think it'll go a lot smoother. More people will pay online. We'll get more people on that system and it'll just keep working good. And we're, we're going to do a gate modification. Luckily, the seller put a brand new gate in with a keypad. So oh, we're going to get a do a modification so that on the fifth of the month, if people haven't paid their rent, their gate code no longer works. They can't get into the facility. Oh. It's not a full on lockout over them, but it, it's a little bit of protection yeah. that they can't get in. And, mm-hmm. That goes a uh, long get, way. Yeah, they yeah. get the automatic notifications on the sixth of the month that they're now locked out if they haven't paid. And a lot of people are like, this never happened before. I never got locked out. <laughs> like, yeah, I got a few text messages back. <laughs> it just generates automatic text. Like, yep. people are like, I've never had this happen. And I'm like, well, that's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> that is yep. history. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah, you're into the retraining phase now. Yeah. You yeah. got to retrain tenants in the new way on, uh, on how it works, which, you know, it's funny too, because um, it, it, it seems like such a shock at first, but then immediately everybody's like used to it. It's like just noise yeah. in the background. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I've had a lot of people, because I'm there more day to day. Yeah. And I've had a lot of people that come in and pay and they're like, Oh, I can pay online now. Like, okay, cool. Like, yeah, super easy. I don't have to drive down here. I live far away. Yeah, so, yeah, it makes total sense. Yeah. yeah, and even if they if they aren't set up online, and they we can just take their card number over the phone and get their payment, and then get them set up after that. That's just it saves them a trip, and they love it, and yes. makes it easier. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that, that is such an important thing. To, those automatic payment setups just change your life. Like it's yeah. And too, yeah. a lot of people. It's interesting because when we used to talk about this. A lot of people, were, well, late fees are, are, are a big money maker for me. And I actually at a conference, I had, I, I gave a, a, a speech where I showed like mathematically how that's just not true. So like if you look at when late fees stack up, but your late fees are only contingent on you being able to achieve them. So yeah, yeah. if you're if you have X amount of the people that are paying late fees that go to auction, right? Well, you, you're talking about charging $20 late fees, but then you're missing out $200 of total fees on that unit. It now takes yeah. 10 units to pay for that one that you missed, right? And it take, yeah. it's harder to identify them. It's harder to everything. So if you have the less uh, or more people on, on automatic payments, they're, you're going to have lower default, which means you're going to have less to go to auction because you'll find it and secure it in time. Your revenue is actually way higher, even if you're not getting yeah. late fees. Mm-hmm. I'd rather have zero late fees because everybody's automatically paying on time. Yeah, hundred percent. Bingo, bingo. Because yeah. then you got to go through collection processes, and it's like you know, you're, you're we're always like you can send them to collections. Well, I can tell you right now, <laughs> just because you send somebody to collections doesn't mean you get the money. Yeah. Like in fact, yep. it's very much opposite mm-hmm. of that. You yeah. get like yep. nothing from it. 
Um, but yet you spend all this time and energy. So your efforts, guys, on that, I just absolutely applaud and love it. Um, so now, the other value add you guys had, though, you're talking operationally, the expansion room. What's your plan with, uh, with expansion? You going to do that soon? Or are you going to wait? Yeah, so we have... Uh... We're on 3.7 acres, and if you look at the layout, there's probably, it's 130 feet by 130 feet of practically level land. Um, we'll have to do a little bit of grading, but we're working with the town right now um, to get... We've already got quotes on fences and grading. Yeah, and, we're going to try to get everything through the town so that we have all the permits and stuff, and then we're going to uh, try to put, I think we can put at least 20 outdoor parking spots for now, um, just because that's a little less capital intensive um the fence will be a fair amount in the gravel uh and then so people be paying rent for spots and then a little bit farther down the road we can either replace that with buildings or kind of see how the outdoor parking's doing mm -hmm. yeah no that's and a great idea farther down the road there's more room to do more expansion but that'll be a little bit more capital intensive so we'll probably operate for a little while and uh, then go from there the demand's definitely there though everything in the town that our facilities in is pretty much full. So I think we will be able to expand and the town just keeps growing. For sure. Yeah, I mean, we get plenty of phone calls a day of people looking for units. And there's Perfect. actually two units there right now that are five by tens that when he, when he built the facility, he built two buildings first and then he used two five by tens as one as a bathroom, one as an office. And then he just let them sit there for till 20 years. Till he sold it. <laughs> And so um, we're going to turn those back into two five by 10. So we'll actually have 138 units once those are converted back over. Nice, nice. Touching on that, did you guys have like a, a lot of capital expenditures going into this or was it pretty cut and dry? Buildings are actually, you know, not super old. There's not a lot that needs done. No, everything looks pretty good. Um, awesome. We might have to replace all the bolts in the roof in the next year or two, um, but I think that's going to be our major thing and maybe a little bit of insulation work and when people move out of units, but nothing major. And mm -hmm. so on your finances, are you allocating a certain amount uh, for revenue to be collected in like a capital expenditure fund? I uh, haven't dialed that in yet, but definitely will be saving some money. One part of the uh, having the SBA loan, uh, we don't have to pay principal and interest payments for the first three months. Yes. So that, uh, that savings plus, I think that'll get us through our expansion and we'll still have plenty of reserves in the bank. Nice. Uh, so That's then awesome. once, once we're operating there and we get filled up, then we'll definitely be putting money away for future expansions. Yeah, that's a huge, huge, obviously, three months where you yeah. guys can collect that to do improvements and yeah. do more value add. Uh, that's yeah. amazing. We, yep. And plus, there's a, there's a big office space there, and we don't really need it all. And we've had a few people express interest already to rent out office space. Yeah, Basically, perfect. Like 150 yeah, it's like a, it's 160 square feet, but it's AC'd and has internet and power. So oh, nice. um, couple so. couple small, like... I, I'm not even sure what they all do, but just they need a small office to be there. But then they also will rent units from us. So it'll work out perfect. That's, That's awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. Going back, I wanted to ask you guys, how did you finance this? Just did you bring, as far as your portion that you were bringing to the table, how did you guys structure this? What did it look like on the financing? Like so, savings? 
Yeah, so when we bought the car wash, uh, same, we got an SBA loan on that, and we actually got six months of principal and interest payments on that. So the financing for that, we had to have a lot of reserves because of all the equipment. Um, and we didn't know about the six months of principal and interest payments when we were going through the process. We found that out closer to closing, oh, and wow. we're That's like, awesome. oh, man. So after a couple months of doing that, we're like, we have way more reserves than this than we need. So we were able to take some funds from that. Uh, and then it was just bit, the rest of it. We split 50-50 from personal savings. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. And that's how you move forward. I mean, yeah. that's like your next yeah. facility, what you're going to do. You'll accrue revenue. All of a sudden, this facility will pay for the next one. I mean, this is this is yeah. compounding. This is scale. It's, mm-hmm. it's powerful. Yeah, my wife thought I was crazy on the first one, and then now she's just like, oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> yep. Rock and roll. You exactly. <laughs> no, that's awesome. So what's your plans are as far as rolling out uh, rental increases, things yeah. like that, um, doing all that with tenants and everything? What are your plans there? How are you guys going to tackle that? So uh, right now, when we've had a few, few people leave, and as soon as they leave, those, those units go up to market value. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're going to – in the next few weeks, we're going to contact all the current tenants. We're going to raise them not all the way to market value, but somewhere in between and kind of do it as a fair, like if you want to leave, you can, but you're not going to find anything. And if you do, it's going to be a lot more expensive than what you got. And then over the next six months to a year, we'll probably get them up to market value. That's awesome. So I think with the turnover, we'll get a fair amount up and then, uh, I think people will be understanding when we don't fully jack it straight up to market value. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and two, when you look at your calls coming in and everything, there's obvious demand. So yeah, yeah, yeah we're we're 100 yeah. percent full right now. We've yeah. had one unit vacant for one day, and it was yeah, because yeah. it was Memorial Day weekend. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and everyone I have. Yeah. yeah everyone that calls is like, oh, we can't find anything, and I'm like, well, you can go to our website and get on our waiting list. I said that's the best bet. To, yeah. You know, be on the thing. Man, you got to get people out and get new people in. That's exciting. Heck yeah. Yeah. I love that. No, you know, it's interesting when you look at these opportunities because when, as I, you know, as we went up and as we get bigger, I mean, those kind of opportunities for us are, it's just not like, like, I don't get to find deals like this anymore. Right. Because I'm in a whole other market area. And I remember the days of finding deals where I'm like, holy cow. There is so much upside in this. It's crazy. Same thing. It's 100% full because they're so cheap. Everybody wants in. I can upgrade. There's just so much potential. It gets me so excited for you guys because you're going to see as you do those rate increases and as you're moving new people in, you're getting sign-up fees. You're getting at the new rates. You can put them on a six to nine-month rate, uh, rate increase schedule. Now they're used to it, so they're always getting it. Then every single month you're getting rate increases. It's just it's so cool and it's so amazing. Yeah. And you got the perfect asset to do that on. Yep. Yeah. When you see that number in the, in the ESS software, what you're getting, but what you could be getting uh-huh. at market value, it's like you just want to like raise them all right away. We got to go right now. Oh, oh that's awesome. That's no, cool. Okay guys. So congratulations again here and everything. But what, what I really want to know here before we get off, what is your guys' plans? Like, what are you trying to do? You've now got a car wash. You've got uh, the storage facility. Um, where are you trying to take this? What are you guys, like, what are your plans? I mean, right now it's going it to probably uh, wait a little bit, get our feet wet with self-storage, get everything under control, and then 
try to get the expansion plan going. But uh, I mean, then we're going to be looking and we know I already have a list of a couple more units like this that are small mom and pop run, no websites, nothing. So I think there's some more opportunity around here that we could maybe acquire one or two more um, and then hopefully just start creating it. And if with these smaller units, I think we could do it where they're more, uh, you don't have to have an on-site manager and you could potentially hire somebody that just goes and checks on all the units for you. Yep, hundred percent, dude. I love that you taking a regional market, getting a bunch of uh, small storage facilities, and then you have one person that services all of them, does all the yeah, cleaning exactly. out, the oxygen um, auction process. Um, it diversifies you over region and the landscape. You know, one's down three miles away. However, that works. Yeah, out. that's just a fabulous way to start. That's cool. Yeah, then we can go fishing in Alaska like you did. And exactly. Somebody yeah, else care about. All properties. <laughs> exactly, guys. That's yep. the dream. And you'll get there right. quick. So, yeah. uh, you know, this That's is, yeah, you're right on the right path. Uh, it, it's so I, I talk about this a lot. In fact, I made a YouTube video on this today. I talked like there's two different kinds of value and what you guys have found was the, the kind of value I found. So I, I found when I, when you look at the value, I've, I say there, okay, there's value that you, um, there's value that is given and there's value that is earned. Right. So when I first started out, I was really nervous about overpaying and I was really scared about all the things that I didn't know. So I came up with a very simple strategy. Like Warren Buffett has his margin of safety. Right. And yeah. that's how predicted everything. Well, I had something I called my margin of stupidity, uh, stupidity. And my margin <laughs> of stupidity was I needed something that was so good that all the things that I didn't know that I was scared about no longer mattered. Because it was so good. I had this massive margin that let me do stupid things or be dumb or not know, right? And it wasn't like a dishop or anything. It was just an actual realization. I, said, I don't even know what I'm doing here, right? So when yeah. I what I would find is I would find the value that was given. And what that meant was the market was already there, right? The market's there. I don't have to do anything to get this value, right? It's there. This facility is just not taken. I call this a lot, a lot, the money on the table, as you guys probably know, right? This is the perfect mm -hmm. example of a facility where the value is given to you. That's why I get so excited because it's, yeah. it's not a question whether you'll achieve it. It's already there. It's already achieving. It's just, this person wasn't extracting it. So all you have to do is walk in, yeah. purchase and just extract the value. And then you're going to combine that with the value earned. And this is my playbook. I, get, I go after things that the value is given, and then I go after the things that are values earned. Then you tie on top of that, you go and you try to expand it. You build it. Then you fit product to the market, and then you give the market something at a new price, and it gives you back. You earn that value. And what you're doing is you're protecting your downside by the value given, and you're working for, and you're changing the asset fundamentally, and you're growing it even that much through the value earned. And those two things combined is like a wealth just explosion, right? Because yeah. your downside, your new valuation, when you come in after you raise rates, everything like that, you're going to be already protected. Even if you do the expansion and the expansion doesn't even do very well, well, because you had such good fundamentals and a good buy and there was so much that was given, you'll be fine. And that's like you said right there when I asked you, what, what, what's your plan, right? We're going to figure this out. We're going to learn it. We're going to work on expansions, then we're going to buy more. So then what happens is as you learn, now you can, you've already identified like what you know today compared to what you had six months ago, you know, all the mm -hmm. things to look for. So now yeah, you can find even exactly. more money that is given. And every time yeah. you get a deal, I'm like, oh, wow, there's even more opportunity. But then it got even better because then I found, wow, 
here's the value that I can earn. And that's what this knowledge will teach you every single time. So your next one will be even more profitable. Not because even if it's like less given, but you'll be better at it so you can earn more. So you combined yeah. those two fundamental principles of value creation and ob- obtaining it. And with passive income, I mean, that's the name of the game. I love it. Congratulations, guys. Thank you. Thank you. So, guys, tell us where everybody can find you, get a hold of you. Um, where, you know, people want to learn or ask any questions, where can they go? Uh, we're both on Instagram. Um, kind of have unique names. Mine's Free Fly Kid. You'll you'll see when you go to my profile. Uh, I'm on Facebook as well. And you could e- email me dan.shearmeyer at gmail.com. Uh, my Instagram is uh, sheetmetal220. And um, you can email amstorage.nc at gmail.com or check out our website, amstorage.nc.com. And, um, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Well, that's awesome, yeah. guys. Well, you know what? I look forward to here, you know, in a year or two, having you guys back on so you can tell us about how you're now at 10 facilities and, you know, you got a whole crew and, and you're growing <laughs> strong. So thank you yeah, for coming on and sharing the, sharing your story. It's so good because a lot of people right now, particularly are like, how do you find, there's no rock star deals anymore. And you just yeah. showed how that's just not true at all. And I yeah. try to tell people that and it, you know, I mean, you guys uncovered an absolute gem and they're out there today. You're already identifying more. So. Yep. Awesome. Well, thanks a bunch guys. And, uh, all those no, we'll put those links in the show notes for everybody. If you guys want to go check out the storage facility, check them out, follow them on Instagram, keep up with them, all that good jazz. And, uh, with that said, thanks a bunch guys. We'll Thank you. you. Yep. We'll see you in Idaho. Yep. That's right. Perfect. Come, come, come. You got to show up there. It's going to be awesome. I look yeah, forward to it. Good. Perfect. I look forward to meeting you guys and talking through. Who knows? By then, you may have yeah. another one already. Well. <laughs> Maybe. <Yeah. laughs> awesome. We'll see you guys. Thanks, guys. See you.